What's up, everybody, and welcome into Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Hood. Of course, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday is brought to you by Manscaped, manscaped.com. Use the promo code HOOD, that's my last name, H-O-O-D, and save 20%. Listen, guys, you know that you need some help, you know, down there. Like Scott Hall used to say, you know you need some help down there. When it comes to men's grooming, nobody does it better than manscaped.com. Get this for yourself or for someone that you know. But your significant other or your buddy needs this help. A beard hedge trimmer. The Weed Whacker 2.0. Where's the weeds on your body? You know, it's around the groin area, right? They got that groin body trimmer. The Lawnmower 4.0. They also have crop mop ball wipes. You know how we can get a little musty when we're working out, walking too much, chafing, whatever it is. We can always use some help. So for yourself or some someone else, get a Manscaped. Manscaped.com because, guys, you know we always need help. Promo code HOOD, H-O-O-D. Save 20% if you use my name. I owe you this podcast, everybody. I owe you this podcast, and I'll tell you why. Here's my traveling schedule. So this week, as I record this here at 10 p.m., on March 3rd, I was in Indianapolis for the NFL Combine. I was there with my um, co-partner, um, David Kaplan, and we were in Indianapolis for the NFL Combine, and we broadcasted from there, and then I went from Indianapolis to St. Louis, and I was there to cover the UIC Flames. For Some of you already know, but for those that don't, uh, I've been doing radio and television with the UIC Flames basketball team for the better part of a decade. And so I drove from Indianapolis to St. Louis the same day. And on Thursday morning, we started recording Good Karma Wrestling. Good Karma Wrestling is the show that we have every Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific, with uh, Gabe, Brian, and myself. We do Good Karma Wrestling. But it was not live, and I'll shoot with you. It's a wrestling show, so I can shoot with you and tell you that it was not live. That was a show we did earlier in the day. Our schedules are crazy. We cannot do it live at that time. And so I had to get ready to do a basketball game that evening in St. Louis at the Enterprise Center. And then Brian Rowitz on the show, he had to get ready for the 20th anniversary celebration for ESPN West Palm. And Gabe Nigel has a crazy schedule as well. So we had to do it earlier in the day. And for whatever reason, my audio was horrible on that podcast. After the game that UIC played against Missouri State, I just said, oh, let me check in on the podcast. And the, my auto, whatever reason, the Wi-Fi and the audio was not working for me on my end. Maybe it was okay for Gabe and Brian. At least they didn't say anything to me about it. But when I listened back to it, it was horrible. And I apologize for that. Um, we always want to give you the best when it comes to good karma wrestling. Uh, and for whatever reason, it was cutting in and out. And maybe for some of you, maybe that was a good thing that I didn't have my full thoughts out there on the podcast. Uh, but for me, that was unacceptable. And I apologize for that. So that's why I felt compelled to give you this podcast for a number of reasons. Because of how bad GKW was on my end with my Wi-Fi issues and my headphone issues on Thursday. But then on top of that, you know, we have AEW Revolution taking place in San Francisco on Sunday. So we'll give you a preview of that. I owe you um, a TWT mailbox. We do that from time to time. I have a slew of questions in my inbox regarding the state of wrestling as we get ready for the uh, road for WrestleMania uh, in Los Angeles. So I have a lot of questions about wrestling, including what's happening in the WWE as of late. So we'll get to that with our TWT mailbox uh, and a lot more. Let me give you two or three things before I get into the mailbox segment, though. And I'll read your questions and give you my best answer. Um, so let's go to Washington, D.C., and let's go to SmackDown. It took place on March 3rd. The first segment we see is Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns going back and forth. It's the first time that they've had a one-on-one in the ring together. And Roman Reigns, his, um, promo style is a little giggles, a little laughter, and then serious because he is the tribal chief. This is a guy that has full autonomy of his promo. Because it's not just angry, it's not just silly, it's kind of a combination of both. Because he laughs at his competition, he laughs at his opponents. That's who Roman Reigns is. And then there's Cody Rhodes coming out there in his full suit. And so he's got some things to say as well because he wants to finish his story. Okay, great. Do you notice something? Two things, two quick observations. One, 
is that this whole story of Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes is based on Cody Rhodes' dead father, the American Dream Dusty Rhodes. I know that hits like a brick in the face to you if you're listening, right? But that's what it comes down to. When Paul Heyman and Cody Rhodes had their promo segment, several of them, it's about Dusty Rhodes, who's no longer around. Now, for me as a longtime wrestling fan, I understand the gravitas and the importance of Dusty Rhodes in the business for many years. The story is that Dusty Rhodes was never good enough to be the WWF champion at the time. Uh, even Vince's father thought that Dusty was an attraction, but not enough to be able to take over the schedule of the Northeast uh, in the WWF in the late 70s. Like, that wasn't happening. But as far as the gift of gab and trying to sound like Muhammad Ali and flip-flop and fly and, you know, do the stuff that Dusty did, I think that that was fine. It worked better in the South because that's where he was a Florida heavyweight champion and NWA champion for Crockett. And so that worked better in the South. But in the Northeast, Vince Sr. wasn't going to make him the champion. Um, and neither was Vince Jr., as you can well tell, because he had polka dots. But I guess my ultimate point is, is that Roman Reigns, once he was done with the promo segment and pretty much said, hey, you know what? Your dad, when he's at Florida Championship Wrestling, he was tutoring me. He talked so much about me and how I could be the champion and blah, blah, blah. And guess what? He never talked about you. Never talked about you at all. And that makes Cody feel like, I don't know, two inches tall <laughs> for Roman Reigns to say, hey, my dad talked to Seth and talked to you know, to Kevin Owens and so many others, but yeah, yeah, he never mentioned you at all. That sucks if you're Cody, right? But all of this is about Dusty Rhodes who can't defend himself, can't say anything, nothing. All this is about Dusty, when it really should be about Reigns and Rhodes and the story of Rhodes or the story of Reigns being able to beat Cody at WrestleMania and retain the championship and have this title over a thousand days or wherever this is going to be. But the other thing about Roman is, is that the combination of confidence and paranoia is interesting to me. Go back and watch SmackDown. When Reigns was leaving the ring, you know, you know what you noticed? You know what I noticed? I noticed Reigns had a confident smile on his face looking back at Cody Rhodes. Rhodes was in the ring. Reigns is leaving. He's taking his championships, put him over his shoulder, and he was smiling. Like, yeah, yeah, I got you in that promo. Yeah, I'm going to beat you at WrestleMania. And then when he looked away and looked up the ramp away from Cody... He was very serious, very pensive, and he was not as confident. He looked very worried. So I think that that character development did not get past me, and I think it's very interesting to see Roman Reigns be completely confident on one end and very paranoid on the other. And that really is the microcosm of the tribal chief. It's, I just think it's fascinating. But also think it's interesting that the only story that they can come from this is Let's just keep talking about Cody Rhodes' dad. And for my generation, I get it. But maybe for others that are younger, they may not understand why Dusty keeps coming up. Cody's father's dead. So why does he continue to be a storyline in this? Interesting. Ray versus Dominic Mysterio. I hope that this one-on-one -on -one happens at some point. They're dragging this out. The WWE creative is, is really dragging this out a lot. I think they're doing this because I think at some point we're going to see that match. Is that going to be at WrestleMania? Is that going to be sometime soon? I think that it's a slow build toward these two fighting one another. And people are waiting for Dominic to get his comeuppance. For a guy that did not have any personality, had no swagger, here's a guy here in Dominic that's grown up before our very eyes in a year. And being aligned with the Judgment Day has made him grow up to be uh, not necessarily go-away heat, but a guy that people don't want to see or either a, or a person that um, that gets booed a lot in WWE arenas because of how he treats Ray. And that's really genuine heat from the fans that really appreciate Ray Mysterio. I think that's very compelling television. Hopefully we'll get a one-on-one -on -one there. Sami Zayn against Solo Sokoa. So, Sami Zayn loses this matchup on SmackDown, but doesn't lose any steam. Shows you how the WWE fans really feel about Sami Zayn. Sami's lost against Sokoa. I mean, clean as a sheet in the ring. 
but Sammy still got his applause. It was not as hot as Montreal. Nothing will be as hot as Montreal as far as Sammy is his home country, cheering him on as if he was Bret Hart in his prime. Nothing will be that hot anymore for Sammy Zayn than Montreal. But there was a nice applause and there was some support from people in D.C. for Sami Zayn, even though he lost. But the ongoing storyline of this of this whole thing with the bloodline is, is that Jey Uso is not there again. And they keep cutting back to Roman Reigns, the same formula that they've used for the last six to eight months or more, where there is Heyman and there is... Roman Reigns in the back, and Roman's muttering to himself, saying, look, man, if we don't get Jey Uso in here in a week, then I'm blaming his brother. And so the heat now goes to not Jey Uso, but Jimmy Uso. When's the heat going to go to Solo Sokoa? <laughs> I don't think that'll ever happen. And if it does, look out, Roman. When, when will, and I mean, the heat's on, every, on everybody else except Solo Sokoa. I think that that's fascinating. This is a way to be able to stretch a storyline. It's crazy, right? I mean, this has been going on for a while. But yet, there's always bricks among bricks, among bricks, among bricks to build this to a crescendo at some point. It's fascinating. So that's one thing that uh, stood out to me. I want to give you something else that stood out to me before I get into the mailbox. My number two. I have an announcement to make. I am a new member of the Ring of Honor Club. Yeah, yeah. I, I was able to sign up to watch ROH.com, uh, their debut on their Honor Club, and I'm a member. I know that's crazy, right? But it's true. I could not help but to be curious to find out what the first Ring of Honor show is going to look like. Their first Ring of Honor show in a year, and it debuted on Thursday the 2nd. I watched it after I got in from St. Louis on Friday afternoon, the 3rd. So I was like, you know what? After a long drive, I'm just going to just chill here and see what this looks like. And so I turned it on, and I was very impressed by what Tony Khan has put together as far as the new reimagined Ring of Honor wrestling. So I turn it on, and I see a number of matches that really stood out to me. First of all, when I found out that Zack Sabre Jr. was wrestling on here, I said, oh, I'm definitely going to order this. They got me. <laughs> I wasn't going to do it because I didn't know what this this show, this company is going to look like, but they got me. And it, it took Zack Sabre Jr. to see him on the show for me to order it. So I clicked order, and now I'm in there. With all the ROH shows, and let me just tell you some observations from that show. So to see Zack Sabre Jr. against Blake Christian, to see Zack Sabre Jr. wrestle is really amazing. He is similar, or actually maybe a, a lot better than some of the British wrestlers or international wrestlers that I've seen. People always make that parallel to, oh, Zack Sabre Jr. is like a young William Regal. Eh, Actually, Zack Sabre's better. I, I grew up watching Billy Robinson. For those that did not see Billy, Billy was this classically trained um, British wrestler that wrestled in the AWA when I was a kid out of uh, Vern Gagne's Minneapolis territory and wrestled, I think, some in Indianapolis for Dick the Bruiser and Wilbur Snyder in that territory when I was a kid. And he was good but he was never a guy that you thought, oh, that guy's going to be at the top of the card. When they brought in British wrestlers, they'd be good because they'd be, you know, very technically sound. And they would be good for the mid card, maybe semi-made, maybe, but never the main event because it was too slow. It was just too technical. But Zack Sabre Jr. is a different animal for sure. And I saw this match because of Blake Christian and it was it was a master class. He was fun to watch. Those two, Blake Christian, I've seen him wrestle before in the Indies. He was fantastic too, but uh, go out of your way to watch that one because that's one of my matches of the week to watch. The show started off with Mark Briscoe, right? by the way. If you're going to start ROH, you got to have Mark Briscoe. And we'll talk about him in a little bit in our uh, mailbox segment. But Mark Briscoe took on Slim J, and it was great to see Mark Briscoe out there. It still takes me a little time, guys, to see Mark Briscoe out there with his bro without his brother Jay. It's so sad. 
But Mark is out there wrestling, and he's always been good. I mean, they've both been good, and they've also been very good at singles. But um, it was just good to see Mark Briscoe out there and just be fantastic as he always is. So outside of Mark Briscoe and really enjoying Zack Sabre Jr., say, okay, what happened? What else happened? Well, a couple of notes. First and foremost, Ian Riccoboni and um, and uh, Coleman are a fantastic team, fantastic broadcasting team. Ian Riccoboni and Caprice Coleman are fantastic. They really, to me, are the best combination in wrestling right now as far as wrestling announcers. And they don't do it often. They'll be doing it weekly now on the show, but I'm, I really like what they do. I really like their style as broadcasters. They are peanut butter and jelly, and they do a really good job of complimenting one another. The whole vibe at Disney is, and boy, have I seen a ton of wrestling at Disney over the years on television. It had a, a TNA 2006 vibe to it. That doesn't mean it's negative. I'm just saying that the way it was lit, the way the crowd was laid out, I said, boy, this kind of reminds me of like old school TNA uh, from like 06, 07. Not a bad thing, but just it. that's what it stood out to me. And the crowd was hot for a lot of the matches. It was two hours, by the way. And I believe that at some point, maybe after their show in late March, that maybe it'll be a one-hour show. But it was a two-hour show, and it did have some action. I gave you a couple of matches I liked. Another match that was really underrated is Takeshita against Josh Woods. My God. If you've only seen Josh Woods in AEW, you'll think, oh, comedy guy, right? He, I mean, he's kind of stuck in this. Now, Josh Woods had... The best match I've ever seen him wrestle in. Josh Woods and Takeshita tore it up. And I was I was blown away by how Josh Woods was able to counter, how he was able to hang in there and really have a very, very competitive, believable match against Takeshita. Takeshita is already over. Um, and to see him in there was really cool. It would be great for him to take on Claudio for the uh, Ring of Honor Championship. I don't know if that's part of the future, but you could tell the crowd's behind Takeshita. He's had his hard times in AEW. I know that on Rampage on Friday night, he did this promo, says, maybe I should go back to Japan because I keep losing. And then Don Callis comes in and says, no, 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 no. Maybe you should come with me. Uh, but you could tell the crowd's behind him, and he and Josh Woods tore it up. I thought that was really good. Uh, the Kingdom took on the infantry. I thought that the kingdom, just just the whole thing with Maria Canellis Bennett, um, with Bennett and Taven as a tag team against the infantry, I thought that was a very solid matchup. Um, the kingdom could really do some damage, not just in ROH, but also in AEW too. If they could just streamline who the real contenders are in their tag team division in either company, ROH or AEW, boy, the kingdom, the, the first of all, the look, is fantastic, but then the in-ring action is pretty pretty solid, pretty solid. And so I already knew them from the uh, Ring of Honor from a year ago and how good they were, but in this iteration, they could really, really take over this company in the tag team division. Good to see Christopher Daniels out there wrestling. I had no idea that Chris Daniels wanted to keep wrestling. <laughs> I had no idea that he still had an interest in getting back in the ring and doing something, but he was in there against the... Um, an Indian wrestler, Raju. Um, a couple of things that stood out. Of, oh, let me get to this. Um, Willow Nightingale is going to get a AW or I'm sorry, ROH women's title matchup at some point, uh, which will be fun. Uh, but Claudio Castagnoli against AR Fox. Let me just, let's talk about AR Fox for a second. We know how good good Claudio is, and Claudio won the match. Okay. A.R. Fox took a beating uh, in, on Dynamite in San Francisco in that ridiculous ladder match. Just so many so many um, issues I had with that ladder match from Dynamite because there's so many bumps that were just needless. So many bumps that could have really seriously hurt people. There's some moves on those ladders that it feels like some of those guys are were not equipped to take or to administer. So I was not happy with that. Um, but A.R. Fox, boy, you talk about a guy that can take a beating. I mean, he takes a beating. And a guy that is a baby face that comes from underneath to try to battle. And Claudio had to take out the kitchen sink, the stove, the oven, hammers, anything he could to try to finally pin A.R. Fox. 
And it's good that AR Fox can put on a 20-minute matchup or whatever, however long it was for the ROH World Championship. Um, but is AR Fox going to be a serious singles competitor? I know he's part of like the top flight crew, but AR Fox is very impressive to me. Of course, in my you know pseudo promoter's eyes, even though I'm not a promoter, I look at those black boots and I see those green pants, those green combat pants, and I go, is that all he's got? Is that is that who he is? I mean, it's one thing for him to be a, a solid wrestler, but imagine that skill set that AR Fox has. Imagine his penchant to be a baby face to fight underneath, and that's what he looks like. I, it's about the package. It's about the personality. I don't know anything about AR Fox except he can wrestle. But there's too many of those guys under the Tony Khan brand of, man, that guy can go. Man, that guy can go. Man, that guy can wrestle. Boy, that guy can take a beating. Who are these people, though? Give the WWE credit for the most part over the years, or not this year, over the years, where someone's got to have a personality here. Like, I can solidly get behind AR Fox. All I hear is, boy, in the indies, he can, okay, well, this is somewhat of the big time here being under Tony Khan. If AR Fox is going to be a guy, there's got to be more than just green pants and black boots. There's got to be something else to AR Fox. That's my point. For those that just are focused on the wrestling and the in-ring and him signing autographs for you and you go to indie shows, that's fine. But I see more in AR Fox than just the green pants. Because he, <laughs> that matchup between him and, and Claudio was fantastic. And you about to work out for Claudio. That was no easy match for him. So I enjoyed that. So those are my observations that I've seen so far. And so with the questions that many of you have, if you have any questions about Revolution or WrestleMania, I'm going to get to them coming up next. But first, let me tell you about Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday merchandise. So in the bio uh, or the link of this podcast... You could be able to purchase Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday merchandise, my friends. That means t-shirts, that means mugs, that means tumblers, that means socks. I mean, whatever you need for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I want you to support the show that has given you so much wrestling content over the years by just getting merchandise. The link is in the bio. Or, of course, if you follow Good Karma Wrestling on Instagram, you see the bio there. You can see right in the bio, you see the link. You'll be able to get all our, our podcasts and, of course, merchandise as well. Or uh, GKW underscore wrestling. There's a bio there. Again, same way. So either way, you can't miss it. Just scroll through it. See if it's for you. Check out the Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday merchandise available in the link of this podcast. All right, my friends. Let's take a look at the old mailbox here. See what we got here. CJ Taylor, who's been on this show many times, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, says, Are you even remotely excited about the card for WrestleMania? I am not. Outside of the women's title matches, absolutely nothing about this card is moving me. Well, as I always say, CJ, you've listened to me over the years, and you know what I'm going to say. Once you put it in the ring, it's going to be just fine. So what he's talking about is Bianca Belair against Asuka and Charlotte Flair against Rhea Ripley. I would agree with that. I think that both those matches are going to be fantastic. I think Rhea Ripley should defeat Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Would not surprise me if Asuka wins the Raw Women's Championship against Bianca Belair. Um, so when you look at the rest of the card, it's really not established yet. I know SmackDown, there was some movement here and there and what they want to do there. Bobby Lashley, that whole thing with Bobby Lashley, boy. If that's going to be Bobby Lashley against Bray Wyatt, that's not what I'm looking forward to either. But I think even more intriguing is that Brock Lesnar turned it down. Brock Lesnar was pitched, hey, do you want to take on uh, Bray Wyatt? And Lashley's like, no, I don't want anything to do with that. Think about that. You're, you're Bray Wyatt. For a year or two, how many questions did we have about, hey, you know, the WWE, they cut Bray Wyatt. When is he going to come back? When is he returning? And then he comes back and he starts off with L.A. Knight. And then he comes back and it's just kind of like, who's Uncle Howdy? It, it, when Brock Lesnar says no, clearly he doesn't want to go down that rabbit hole of mediocrity. That says something because Bray Wyatt can wrestle. He can go. He's the grandson of Blackjack Mulligan. He's the son of Mike Rotunda. He can wrestle. But just that gimmick 
Brock Lesnar didn't want anything to do with that gimmick, which says a lot, doesn't it? It says a lot that Brock Lesnar, who says also, by the way, he might be finishing up with the WWE after WrestleMania. He's been telling people that in the back, apparently. That's what I read from FightfulSelect.com. Um, even Brock says, nah, I don't want anything to do with that. Because it just, dealing with Brock, or rather dealing with Bray, concerns some wrestlers. Thinking that, boy, if you lose to him, that's not good. But Seth Rollins, I mean, he survived it, right? I don't know. I would agree with you. Like, Brock Lesnar against almost, that is all Vince McMahon. If anybody wants to have a, a big man match, it's Vince. And Brock Lesnar didn't have a dancing partner, so they throw almost in there. That feels like a three-minute match. And Brock Lesnar just goes home and wins that matchup after that. So, I would agree with you on the surface. There's nothing that really stands out to me about this card just as of yet as far as the women's matches. Of course, Cody and Roman, once it's in the ring, it's going to be fine. It's not a great build, uh, but it's still developing this card. And so once WrestleMania hits, CJ, you know how you're going to be. You're going to like some stuff. You're not going to like some stuff, but you will like WrestleMania as a whole. Okay, Ted Z from Hammond, Indiana says, Did most of the momentum fall off the Bloodline story after Sami Zayn's loss? I find myself less intrigued with Roman versus Cody after Sami's deflating loss in Montreal. The Sami buildup felt organic. The Cody buildup now feels secondary. Did Sami have a chance to actually pull off the upset if Vince McMahon wasn't once again skulking around creative? Okay. So let me get to this last part. Did Sami Zayn have a chance to actually pull it off? Well, I'm, I'm thinking not. No, no. You know, one thing about Triple H, and he has not been perfect and creative either. I think that this is Triple H's call in which he wants to make the fans believe. And here's how I know this. When Drew McIntyre was in a position to win the championship, I believed that Drew was going to win over Roman at Clash of the Castle. The bill was great. With 65,000 people there in the UK waiting for Drew to bring it home, and he did not. How many people were upset by that? Disappointed. And actually, Drew could have won those championships and then lost them in January or December or whatever, just to give him a run with the championships with fans in front of him instead of being in the pandemic with no fans. So I, I didn't understand that. But as far as Sammy, no. You know, they're going to make the fans wait. If Sammy ever becomes a WWE champion, which I'm not sure if that will ever happen, but if it, if it does happen, very similar to CM Punk or very similar to... Rey Mysterio or Chris Benoit or for Daniel Bryan, these guys are going to have to wait. And then there's going to be a buildup and then boom, the big pop. So no, I don't think that Sammy was ever in the cards to win the championship. I said at the time, a 30% chance to win, it's not going to happen. And did the most of the momentum of the bloodline story fall short? Well, you know what? It's, it wasn't even after Sammy's loss. Because you could tell that there's fraying at the edges of all of this. It might be a different bloodline or a new bloodline because you can see the Usos are going to do their own thing. That's what it seems like. And Solo Sokoa, he's a guy that didn't say anything. We don't know what he's thinking. And so that's what intrigues me. What's what's Solo thinking? So I think that this is coming to an end. I think that if Cody wins at WrestleMania, there might be kind of a new bloodline, but not anything as popular or as powerful as we've seen over the last year or so. So is it falling off? Yeah, because I think it's cooling down. It's going to be something different or not at all by the time we get to the end of April. Jimmy Blaze says, how do I get Jonathan Hood to come out to a POWW entertainment show, a POW entertainment show? Well, I'd say $200 in a shady envelope and also trans, pal. That's how the wrestlers do it, right? Just pay me an appearance fee. And trans. <laughs> I love Jimmy Blaze. Evan says, uh, does Roman lose both belts at WrestleMania? Does he lose one or none? Well, Evan, that's a very good question. As I've been saying to myself, self? 
Can you see Cody Rhodes as the undisputed heavyweight champion? Does Sami Zayn help Cody Rhodes win the championship? Does Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn help Cody Rhodes win the championship? You know, there's been so much outside interference for Roman in all his matches on television. Because the bloodlines always helped, correct? So what if, what if Cody's in there and he gets help from Sami Zayn and or Kevin Owens for Cody to win the championships? I can see that happening. Let me just put it to you this way, Evan. If Cody does not win the championships, and again, I don't see the path of of Roman l- losing one championship and keeping the other because they have not been able to distinguish the championships. It is the Universal Heavyweight Championship. Undisputed Heavyweight, whatever the hell they call it, right? So it's two championships. They haven't found a way to split those two. Even though he's carrying around two belts, at this point in time, they haven't found a way. You would think after this, all this time with Triple H, he would have found a way to take a championship off of him. If Cody wins, he wins both belts. It's winner take all. If Cody does not win, then tell me this. Who is the next heavyweight champion? And when does that happen? SummerSlam in Detroit? When does that happen? Survivor Series? When does that happen? In Saudi Arabia? I don't know the answer to that. Dueto Salgado says, which match on Revolution do you see stealing the show this Sunday? Well, D.H. Salgado, let's take a look here. The match is going to steal the show for Revolution. Well, I believe it starts with MJF and Danielson because it's a 60-man, a 60-minute Ironman match. So you can't beat that, right? I mean, whatever you think of that match... It's going to be the best match on the card for me. 60 minutes. I don't see MJF running around for 30 minutes. It should really be a very solid Iron Man match. In which I think MJF is going to win and retain the championship. So I'm going to push that to the side. Because I feel that's going to be the best match. It is Brian Brian Danielson. I can't come up with a bad Brian Danielson match in AEW that he's had. So we'll push that to the side. So now we look for the other matches. And so... I really believe that the Elite against the House of Black should be a banger for the six-man tag team championships. I do. And here's why. I think the four-way for the tag team championship is is a mess. I don't think anyone asked for Orange Cassidy and Danhausen to be in that match. I don't think anybody online said, I can't wait to see those two be part of this. I don't know if anybody asked for Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. I know that they get go-away heat. I know why they're in there is to get heat. That's why Jeff Jarrett's there. I know Gabe Neitzel from Good Karma Wrestling hates to see him on his TV, but he's there to get heat. That's this. <laughs> Jeff understands that. I understand that too. He's a veteran that still looks good, that can still work. Jay Lethal the same way, so that's why they're in it. Now it comes down to the guns and the acclaimed. The guns, it's too premature for them to be the tag team champions, but also, again, heat. Austin Gunn and Colton Gunn are not even close, remotely close to being Two guys that can carry the tag team championships. The belts are making them more so than anything else. Uh, they need a lot more work. It's weird when I see Austin and Colton Gunn because they both together, collectively, they make one Billy Gunn. Like, one's got the height and the other one's got a, the gift to gab. And so, like, both of them together are Billy Gunn. Not, not, not like Austin just like Billy or like Colton just like Billy. Together, they make Billy Gunn. Um... So I think it's the Elite against the House of Black. I think that that should be an amazing match. Uh, Moxley against Hangman Page. It's a Texas Death match, or as they call an AEW, Texas Death. I don't know why they cut the match off on that. It's going to be Texas Death. Texas Death what? Match. Um, That's going to be bloody, and that's going to be a mess in a good way. And maybe this will be the blow-off of this one, in which Page wins, and then Moxley can finally get his vacation. Um, Samoa Joe doesn't have bad matches and he's going to take on Wardlow. This should be something to see how Wardlow can be able to handle this. This is a grudge match for the TNT championship. Let's see what Wardlow does. That's my, my thing about that is what can Wardlow do? Can he raise the bar against the veteran Samoa Joe? I don't expect Wardlow to win. I just want to see if there's anything more from Wardlow that we're going to see. And it's the uh, the three-way for the Women's Championship. Ruby Soho, 
Very compelling promos. God. She's from like uh, Fort Wayne, I believe, or Terre Haute. I think she's Fort Wayne, Indiana. Poor, she had a promo of her life. She's, you know, she sold herself into this matchup. Soraya and Jamie Hayter. Hayter needs to get hot as the women's champion. When Britt Baker had it and others had it, they were hot in that, you know, in that particular role. Thunder Rosa was hot as a champion as far as the reaction. Jamie Hayter still gets a reaction, but I just want her to have more mic time and more in-ring action. She's the champion, but I'd like to see her after this, after she retains, which I hope that's the case. I hope that they give her more opportunities. Even if she comes to ROH on Thursdays, I'm fine with that too. I just want to see more of her because I know she can go. Um, Chris Jericho and Ricky Starks, that's just a clunky way to get into this match. Um, nothing's really on the line here. <laughs> it just, I just think that Chris just wants to work with Ricky Starks and probably lose to Ricky Starks to elevate Ricky because Ricky is one of the young guns in this company. He needs to have a solid win after losing against MJF. He needs a solid win against a veteran and put him in a position where he's one of these go-to babyface guys at the top of the card that's vying for MJF's championship. I want to see that. Um, Christian Cage against Jungle Boy. Jack, well, Jack Perry's getting, he's having the promo of his life too. Well, you talk about a metamorphosis. I was told not even 16 months ago that agents could not find Jack Perry when it came to promo time. All right, guys, time for Jungle Boy, your promo. Anyone seen Jungle Boy? He's hiding in the back, or you couldn't find him. He did not want to do promos, and I look at him now. He is a menacing little bastard, isn't he? I mean, he's talking about trying to bury Christian Cage, and hopefully this will be the blow-off of this, too. Like, Cage is healthy now. Jack Perry can win. He can bury Christian Cage, however they want to do that, and I think that'll be fine. So, uh, again... This is one of those things where, and Jim Ross talks about this all the time, you're putting a lot of wrestlers in the card that you don't have to because MJF and Danielson's don't take up the meat of this. Will they go first or will they go last? Uh, I'm interested in seeing how that is going to be uh, for card placement. But, um, yeah, I, I think that this card's going to be solid. But just like the four-way for the tag team matchup tells me that Creative is not confident in the guns being able to carry a tag team title match on their own. It's got to be some craziness in there with Dan Howes in here, uh, Claim there, Jeff Jarrett there. It'll be a spectacle. Will it be great? No, but it'll be a spectacle. So I gave you mine. I gave you the Elite against the House of Black. That's my sleeper match. Uh, and stealing and could steal the show outside of the main event. Uh, Anthony Benson says, do you believe the go-home edition of AEW Dynamite before the Revolution pay-per-view was subpar? The build-up for this pay-per-view was weak, in my opinion. Uh, I would agree with that. I think that it, it's weak only in this regard, Anthony. It's that the way AEW does things, everything's a slow build. And as I said before with MJF and uh, and Danielson, this thing was over three weeks ago where Danielson went through the gauntlet and now it's just been promos back and forth. And so there's anticipation, yes, there's anticipation, but is it red hot? It took Danielson being bleeped off of TBS TV in that promo for people to react like, oh man, Danielson's really pissed off because here's a guy here that doesn't yell and scream all the time, but he did at MJF on that last um, that last promo that they did on Dynamite. So the home edition before the pay-per-view was just okay. Um, I think that because you have been telling stories for a long time, it, I didn't expect fireworks at all. I really didn't. I think it's been established for weeks. And that's the difference between a company that has a pay-per-view monthly and a company that has four or five pay-per-views a year in AEW. Because when you have that much time, you you have so much wiggle room. You get all this time to do promos. But the matches may not be exactly what you want. So it was just okay. The, but once the pay-per-view starts, there's going to be some really good matches that people will be talking about with AEW uh, Revolution. So, Anthony, I would agree with that. David Hogan, brother, says, How would you book the Cody versus Roman main event at WrestleMania? Do you see WWE keeping the belt on Roman to hit that thousand days as champion milestone? This is a very interesting and intriguing main event without question. Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, David, I, I do see um 
I said that if Cody wins, it's going to have to be some kind of schmoz, some kind of outside interference. Maybe Sammy and Kevin help Cody win the championship. But um, again, think about all the opponents Roman's taken on. But yet, Cody wins. Does that seem believable to you? Anything's possible in scripted wrestling, right? Sure. But then, if Roman wins, and he's over a 1,000 days as champion, okay, I mean, that's one milestone, yeah, but then who beats Roman? Who's the next guy to beat Roman for those championships? When can Roman be able to keep going without being the champion? That's a question. And I, again, look at the roster. Do you see the next world champion? If you think of Sami Zayn, is Sami Zayn a guy that can carry the load as heavyweight champion for six months, nine months? Is that what you... Is that... Do you think that that's what the audience wants? I know that's what Canada wants. I know that's what Montreal wants or some of the bigger cities. But is Sami Zayn the face of the WWE? I mean, now, maybe down the line, but now? I mean, it's the wrestler that many fans would like to see. And this feels like we're going right back to Brian Danielson again when he was trying to be champion. And the company and the office was like, nah, nobody wants to see a little guy be champion. And guess what? Let's just be honest. The WWE was right because of the concussion issues with Brian Danielson. They were right. I know that that sounds harsh, but they were right. They did not. were very afraid of Danielson hurting himself, getting on the road, wrestling three or four times a week, and they stayed away from him being champion until he was. And then you know what happened after that. How long run because of head injuries? Anthony Bell says, not to rag on AEW, but thought about this during the latter match this week. Has anyone there been misused more than Sammy Guevara? Uh, yeah, there's a few, but I, I understand your point. Um, he was one of their young pillars, and uh, they were supposed to build around him. He's been there since the beginning. Has, in one way or another, worked with everyone that's been there been attached to the biggest star in the company and yet he's still in the exact same place he was when it started well anthony here's the thing he has been multi-time champion that is for sure so he's had championship runs sammy Guevara should be uh once again in the tnt title picture or in the main event picture at some point um sammy could be his worst enemy also I like to throw that out there as well. He's very polarizing in the back. And I think that there's some maturity issues there that Sammy has to work on. And I, for as far as his in-ring, it's fantastic. I think we all know that. But I think the maturity issue is something that um, Tony Khan and some of the adults in the room need to talk to Sammy about. There's no doubt. Sammy seems like he's in the, in the same spot. That is for sure. But some of this is on Sammy as well. So he needs to work on that. How about this? How odd is it that I'd rather see his girlfriend or his wife now, I guess, Ty Mello. I'd rather see Ty in there, uh, you know, in some really good tag team matches or some singles matches more times than that than Sammy as of late. Ty, Ty Mello can go. You've seen his wife. His wife can go. She's very, very good um, in matches I've seen. There's been some matches that's involved some blood in there, like stuff I didn't expect. It's like, what the hell's going on here? Penelope Ford and some matches with the Bunny. I've seen some stuff in the women's division, and Ty Mello really stands out. So that says something for Sammy that I'm more interested in his wife wrestling than he is as of late. Bradley Michael says, do you think that CM Punk is coming back? If the lights don't go black and the cult of personality isn't played after MJN... Eh, let me ah, do this in English. Do you think that CM Punk is coming back if the lights don't go black and cult of personality isn't played after MJF wins, then AEW will have some problems, especially with WrestleMania coming up? Don't equate the two, Bradley. I disagree. I disagree. Revolution is its own pay-per-view for AEW that has nothing to do with WrestleMania. WrestleMania is its own beast. WrestleMania is is half wrestling, half entertainment and award show. Craziness, right? It's totally different. 
Um, because there are people that don't watch wrestling all year. They'll turn on WrestleMania because they want to see Bad Bunny or they want to see some kind of attraction or they want to see Floyd Mayweather break Big Show's nose or just craziness like that. No, I don't equate the two. WrestleMania, because it's sold out, 200,000 people or more are going to be there at SoFi Stadium. And then you compare that to the Chase Center in San Francisco, it's not the same. CM Punk will return once CM Punk and the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and Adam Page can figure out how they can make money with this. If MJF wins because of CM Punk, that's a big story. That's a big story. Imagine CM Punk returning and he um, helps MJF beat uh, Brian Danielson. Now you got something there. That's good booking. But I don't know the relationship between uh, the AEW office and CM Punk and the EVPs of the AEW. So, no. AEW will not have some problems with WrestleMania coming up. The AEW is doing just fine. They are doing fine. It's a young company that's still building. You know, people rag on AEW, you know, like I'm not saying you, Bradley, but I'm just saying some will rag on AEW and say, uh, they got 830,000 people or they lost 25% of their audience the week before. Uh, look at Rampage, 270,000 people. Oh, what happened? to Man, can I just tell you something? In today's world of streaming, today's world of streaming, if you can be able to fill 4,000 people at a cavernous uh, cow palace in San Francisco on a Wednesday night in the middle of the week, man, you'll take that every time, 5 o'clock Pacific live, to get people in the building and be able to put on a show that looks good on TV? Absolutely, you'll take it. You don't care how many people are watching on TV. 800,000 people? Do you know what MLW would do to kill for that on reels? <laughs> Do you know what the NWA the NWA would do to get have a TV deal number one, but number two have eight hundred thousand people watching their product? Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. You, know, you think Impact Wrestling? You, know, you you think Impact on Access TV? You think they could use eight hundred thousand people in a week or more to watch their program? That slop, absolutely. So I, I just you know people compare the two companies. Yes, they're in the wrestling war, but AEW is not going anywhere anytime soon. You know, I mean, they had their own problems, but not to the point where they have to look at WrestleMania is so big. What are we going to do? No, they have their own storylines. They have their own uh, audience, and they're growing. So good for them. Especially on a Wednesday night, getting people to come to the, uh, get out of their get out of their homes, get in their car, pay for parking, and go see wrestling in the middle of the week. Shit. I mean, that's... <laughs> it, you can do it on Mondays because it's like, okay, Monday. All right, we're done with the weekend. We'll go to Monday Night Raw because it's a tradition in some cities, right? Uh, you know, it's the end of the week, man. Finally, we made it to Friday. We go to Friday Night SmackDown. Wednesday? That ain't easy. Donnie says, who do you think is going to be the buyer of WWE if they decide to sell? I would look at the Saudis first because of Vince McMahon's dealings with the Saudi Saudi Arabian government. I start there first. Um, that's who I believe is going to be the buyer. I've re- I've read and uh, looked up everything on WrestleNomics and other uh, sites, and also read other publications, like you know, to find out who could be suitors for the WWE. I think my number one choice would probably be the Saudis. Um, it won't be the uh, Khan family, which would be really funny though, because I know that. Tony Khan and Shad Khan could easily buy the WWE for seven billion or eight billion, but I'm sure that Vince will not sell to them. His own competition. It'd be funny though. Uh, Jake says, uh, "What would you do with Mark Briscoe going forward?" Talking about R R O H, Mark Briscoe. Um, you know, Jake, it's a great question because his brother passed away, and he's still carrying one half of the ROH Tag Team Championships. It's too bad you don't have a heel like GM in place to be like, hey, you know your brother's dead and you can't be the Tag Team Champion, so we're going to strip you. I mean, that'd, that'd be one way of doing it, but they don't have that uh, in place at ROH. Mark Briscoe could still wrestle singles for me, but he's going to have to find a Tag Team partner uh, if he's going to be Tag Team Champions, and I know that's hard. that's hard to say, but... How's he carrying around a tag team championship and his brother's not around? Mark would be the kind of guy to wrestle 
by himself, will wrestle for the tag team championships by himself and lose it that way with Jay not being around anymore. That's a tough one for Tony Khan to try to figure out. How do you get the belt off of Mark Briscoe? He's still beloved in the company, though. But what I would do is, is that I put him in contention for the ROH championship at some point. Either with Samoa Joe for the TV title or for Claudio's championship. People love Mark Briscoe. Before the passing of Jay, people love Mark because Mark is nuts. <laughs> and Commerce Zaman says, your thoughts on Impact Wrestling. Well, here's my thoughts on Impact Wrestling. I don't watch the show, but I see the clips, uh, GKW underscore wrestling, and I saw Santino as the GM. And I just shook my head and just giggled, like, what the hell? Like, Impact Wrestling now is such a joke, and I'm not casting any aspersion on the talent. I'm talking about the veteran talent that's still getting a check from that company. The idea that one of the top storylines there is Tommy Dreamer and Bully Ray is insane to me in 2023. Who is that impressing? And the, the, the ECW fan now is either in the WWE or in the AEW or they're into UFC. They're, they're not worried about, I wonder what the Sandman's doing today. Hmm. I wonder what Bill Alfonso's doing today. Is he okay? Hmm. I'd like to know what's going on. I mean, you know, no one's thinking about all the old members of ECW. And that storyline is tired. I don't even understand. Like to see Santino doing his comedy act as a general manager is funny, and just weird. And I see all these old timers coming across there, and just like, what are they doing? And you you've had so much young talent come through there, and then you're doing old WWE acts from the two thousands when WWE was not cool, like the old four oh five stuff from that era of, of wrestling. Just like, oh god. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I think of Impact Wrestling. Just I shake my head at these old acts. These guys still getting a paycheck, not drawing a dime, not draw, drawing flies. I don't care if uh, Alexander and um, and Bully Ray were the main event and sold out one of their last pay per views. I don't care. It sucks. It just does. Well, my friends, I think that is it for this edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I owed, I, I really owed you this pay-per-view because, I again, I apologize for my audio issues in St. Louis. You would think a great wrestling city like St. Louis would have had better Wi-Fi for me for that uh, show I did for GKW. But here I am answering questions and giving you my thoughts on what's going on in the world of professional wrestling. And uh, don't forget, Good Karma Wrestling, we're going to be on again uh, coming up on Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific. And please share this podcast. Let them know that Jonathan Hood Talks Wrestling, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, brought to you by Manscaped, manscaped.com. Use the promo code HOOD, H-O-O-D, my last name, and save 20%. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing what Revolution brings on Sunday. And uh, there's so much going on in professional wrestling. And we're covering for you right here on TWT.